Um, you good? Levels wise, everything good? Cool. Okay. okay. Um, how do you introduce yourself to people? I, I, I don't even know how to introduce myself anymore. Mm. To tell you the truth. Why is that? Um, because I think before, you know, I, I would say that, hey, I'm Tableau. I'm like the front man for this group called Epic High. We have these songs. We have these albums. Maybe, you know, mention a couple like accolades. Mm -hmm. But over the last, you know, two decades near, I think there have been so many things that happened that have, that have, you know, become a part of who I am that it's really complicated for me to just try to figure out how to introduce myself. Right. Especially in Korea too, because the way people see me, like some may just see me as a musician, but at the same time, some people see me as this person who went through a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what tableau they know or what tableau they may be interested in. So I, I just, you know, I just say, hi, I'm Tableau, and then I let them figure it out in the room. <laughs> as you talk to them? Yeah, as I talk to them. <laughs> just starting, starting anew every time, I guess. authentic i'm dexter thomas episode one god blow hello coachella the coachella music festival has become such a milestone for musicians that even getting invited to play is something to get congratulated for in April 2016, a hip-hop trio from South Korea called Epic High did an interview with Billboard about becoming the first big Korean act to play Coachella. Their frontman, Tableau, told the magazine that he thought it was kind of weird to already be getting so much praise and attention considering that they hadn't even got on stage yet. <laughs> A few days later, they got on stage, not far from Ice Cube and a reunited Guns N' Roses. Yeah, 
ASAP Rocky and Run the Jewels had played the night before. This was some pretty legendary company they were in. But as excited as Tableau and Epic High were to be there, this was just another achievement in a long list of achievements. Not only were they massive back home in Seoul, but by this point, they were already well established as one of the first, if not the first, Korean hip-hop groups to pull a mainstream international audience. We're hanging out with Epic High! There are so many cameras, where do we look? Hi. 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 Power 96.1, it's Maddox hanging out with the legendary fellas of Epic High in studio. They'd already done several tours overseas. Standing room only shows in Tokyo, Toronto, New York, and they had no problem selling out the Wiltern in Los Angeles. Epic High formed in the early 2000s. And a lot of their influence came from the American 90s underground hip-hop scene. Tableau burst onto the Korean hip-hop scene around 2005. Young, handsome, and just back from the U.S. where he went to college. I would say that he was part of the reason that hip-hop became big in Korea. Tableau and Epic High started in the underground. But as they got bigger, so did hip-hop. They helped make hip-hop mainstream in Korea. And they didn't stop at the local scene. They went global. By 2010, they were beating out Jay-Z and Kanye on the international hip-hop charts, all while rapping mostly in Korean. And it was then, right when Tableau and his group were at the top of their game, when Tableau's life, out of nowhere, got jolted off course. Landing him in the center of a bizarre conspiracy someone began making accusations against Tableau on an internet forum. Rumors had started spreading on the internet, specifically on a site called Naver, which, when it first came out, was kind of like Reddit. But nowadays, it's more like if Reddit was also your Google homepage, and you had your Facebook contacts, and you could order a pizza. So basically, the center of your digital life. People were posting on online message boards, saying that Tableau wasn't who he said he was. He went to Stanford so he could become an international hip-hop star. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) The accusations started out small. Questions about his academic credentials, doubts about where he went to college. But pretty quickly, they started spiraling out of control. They were, like, claiming that I had bribed the FBI and that I had ties to the Illuminati that Stanford is like a set and all these people are actors. I had pulled over the Korean president, the American president. The online forum grew to hundreds of thousands of members. And it put Tableau in the middle of something that we didn't really have a name for yet. Back in 2010, the relationship between the internet and reality was still sort of quaint. Facebook had only recently gone from a college student website to a place where anyone could sign up. A lot of people didn't bother because they were still into MySpace. Twitter was just a few years old. Here in the States, social media was still something that was being used by young computer nerds. Not, say, CEOs of electric car companies or presidents. We still drew a pretty bold line between the online and the offline. Black Mirror wasn't out yet, but I felt like this was some 
horror sci-fi thing where the entire country I, I had been living in had collectively agreed to basically mindfuck me. Tableau was an early adopter, but in the worst possible way. Completely against his will, the dark part of the internet selected him as one of its first high-profile targets. What he experienced had never really happened before. Not like this, and not on this scale. You know, they had collectively agreed that nothing I say would be accepted as truth, and they had collectively agreed to be delusional. It's either they're delusional, like all of them, or I'm delusional. And it fundamentally changed not only the people involved, but the entire country. And maybe it would have changed a lot more of us outside of Korea if we'd been paying attention. I've listened to pretty much everything Tableau's ever released. I've watched a lot of his interviews. I've read things he's written, read things that other people have written about him, the whole nine. And you would think this would give me a pretty good idea of who he is. And for journalists, often that's enough. I've been DJing and writing about internet culture and music for years now. At the end of the day, though, it's still about the music. But this one, this isn't just about the music. It's also about the internet and what happened to him when people who had also watched his interviews and seen his videos decided that they knew who Tableau was better than Tableau himself. So much so that Tableau started wondering if maybe they were right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We would like to welcome you for So when Tableau decided that he was finally ready to talk about who he is, 12 years later, there was only one way to do this. Not online. In person, face to face. I was going to fly out there to Seoul and meet him. We will be landing shortly. Please fasten your You brought coffee. Come on in. I'm not sure we have enough slippers for everybody, but whoever wants one can use one. Okay. Today, Tableau is 41 years old. But he still has the vibe of a college student. And then, yes, like he was so cool about it, too. He was like, no, don't worry, just use it all you want. We're sitting in a studio in Seoul owned by DJ Two Cuts, who, along with Tableau and the group's other MC, Mithra Jin, make up Epic High. And yesterday I met him and he's like, smoothly, how about like I pay half and then you and Mithra, you guys pay like 25% each, right? <laughs> And I'm like, there's no way I can say no, right? Because I have to use it again today, yeah. right? So I'm like, oh, intelligent, well played. Tableau cleaned the place up before I got there. But you could tell they were in the final stretch of completing the next album. There's a bunch of music equipment, like samplers and MIDI input devices scattered all over. And on the door, they'd written the track list and dry erase marker for the next album. 
get to you. Tyler was wearing an oversized t-shirt and plain kind of dad jeans and sandals. He doesn't look like a rapper. But then again, he doesn't look like anybody in particular. And anyone who knows him says he's sort of always been like this. The kind of guy who, if you pass him on the street, you wouldn't even notice. Until you talk to him. What did you have for breakfast today? Um, I actually didn't have breakfast today. Woke up, had to help my wife uh, brush my dog's teeth. I had to leave in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, no. Because the dog hates it, like, obviously. Right. And, but we need to, you know, he's going to appreciate it later <laughs> when he's got teeth. Right. He's got this way of always cracking jokes at just the right moment. But it's not just that. Aside from the rap thing, he's also written collections of short stories and poetry both in Korean and English. And that versatility crosses over to his work as a musician. He's done everything from the serious tracks, talking about societal injustice or religion, to just flexing and dissing whack MCs. I spent days in that studio with him and our producers talking about music and how this all came to be. And it turns out that that story begins really, truly at the beginning. I mean, tell me about what what were you like growing up? Growing up, uh, so I grew up in many different places. I was born in Korea. I don't remember this, but that's what it says. (laughs) Um, And then apparently my parents took me to Indonesia supposedly spoke um, two languages before I returned to Korea. Around the time Tablo was in second grade, his parents moved the family to Canada. Yeah, I have a perfect <laughs> visualization of what went down when, we, when I realized we were leaving because it was during the 88 Olympics in Seoul and the games had just begun. Welcome, athletes of the world. After seven years of preparation, difficulties, and hope, the Olympic Games. I'm like, where are we going? And then, you know, a couple days later, we were in Canada. And on TV, we were, you know, now watching the 88 Olympics. In 1988, the people of the world returned as Korea hosts the Games of the 24th Olympia. But from from abroad. The big question mark in my head was why we had decided to leave our country at a time when the entire world is celebrating our country. I think it, it made me feel like, oh, Korea has like its place in the world. I felt like this is the beginning of the bright future. But immediately, because I was taken elsewhere, I had to face being an outsider. And it was, it was like a huge wake-up call because I couldn't speak English, right? Mm-hmm. So um, first day of school in Canada, I guess some kids wanted to play a prank on me because, you know, I was the new kid from, from Asia, <laughs> which was maybe a foreign concept to them. Mm-hmm. So they put some school supplies in my pocket and I wasn't aware of it. We went to recess and they came up and they reached into my inner jacket 
pocket and uh, pulled out the supplies and pretty much just creating a scenario where I had stolen this. And now it gave them the right to do whatever they wanted. Some of the guys held me to a tree, held my arms. One guy had an umbrella. He started hitting me with it. Are you serious? Um, yeah. My parents came to pick me up. And I, I remember like crying and telling my dad I wanted to leave. In the span of like a few months, I had gone from feeling like, oh, Korea kind of rocks, right? And I'm proud to be Korean. And immediately I was like in a place where, in a situation where I did not want to be Korean. More after the break. Tablo's parents moved around a lot, and he was often the new kid in school. But his parents had a plan. Moving the family to Canada had a specific objective. It was for my brother and my sister, you know, for their future. For their education? Yeah. Tablo's father had a hard time finding a good-paying job in Canada. The thing that kept them stable was that his mom still owned a hair salon back in Korea. But that meant that she had to go back and forth to Seoul to keep it running. And all this made things even harder on the kids. He's the youngest of three. His sister, Christine, is in the middle. His brother, David, is the oldest. My brother had to literally memorize the entire English dictionary. I mean, like, my, my dad, like, forced him to. Because he had maybe two years to apply to a college. Right. And um, they wanted him to go to an Ivy League school. Uh, which is ridiculous considering he just left Korea. I would always see him like passed out on the desk. He started like kind of hallucinating at some point. I remember this one time he was uh, slouched on his desk. Like he had fallen asleep while, you know, with the dictionary and everything open. And my dad tried to wake him up and he got up and he ran to the front door and he, he started like, uh, you know, the hole for the, the for the mail. Like the mail slot? Yeah, that, yeah, the mail slot. He opens it up and he, he started taking something out of it, like out of thin air, as if there was a package. Whoa. And he, he was like talking to himself. So seeing that, I was like, okay, well, you know, I think I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm grateful that no one's paying attention to me. Eventually, though, they started paying attention. So your your parents told you, you need to go to an Ivy League. Here's a list of the schools. Like, I want you to either go to Harvard, Stanford, or like MIT. And then you need to get one of these jobs. We had three. Uh, you could be a doctor. You could be a lawyer. And what else was there? Yeah, yeah, like a... Like a professor or, or like a Nobel Prize winner. I really heard the words out of my parents' mouths. Yeah. Nobel Prize winner. Uh, same list. Exact same list my parents gave me. <laughs> That's Minji Koo. She's one of our producers. She's younger than both Tablo and I. She grew up in South Korea. And thankfully for her parents, she went to law school. Yes. Really? Really? Yes. We all have... A shared experience in that in that way. It's it's the same now. Uh, a lot of parents still still think that way. Mm. 
they may have added on a couple professions like CEO or Jeff Bezos. When Tableau was growing up, this academic pressure wasn't just something that was implied. It was explicit. One summer, his parents took him on a road trip across the United States. Along the way, they stopped at all these different elite universities. Brown, Harvard, Cornell. And then they hit the West Coast. When we got to Stanford, right in front of the church that I ended up graduating at, my mom and dad, they were like praying and then they told me like this. They had stopped in the middle of the main quad at the center of campus. The iconic Stanford Memorial Church. We want you to go to. This is the school you're going to go to. And they really said this. We, we just prayed that you go to this school. And this was when I was a kid. As I listened to him talk about this, there was something that felt familiar. To a point, right? Because I'm not Korean. I'm black. But my parents also took some pretty extreme measures to make sure that I got a good education, too. Because, like Talu's parents... They knew that the one thing that American society cannot take from you and can never deny from you and will actually reward you for is a credential or a title or a degree. It's a way to protect your kid. That also means keeping them away from anything that might stray them off that path. Like, say, hip-hop. My parents were and still are, like, extremely religious. Okay. Uh, very, very Christian, but mm. there's degrees to being Christian, right? And they were pretty hardcore. You know, the whole, the whole thing with like devil music. Right. Yeah. That was a thing. Yeah. yeah. I can attest. Metal and all that. Yeah. I can attest that that's, that's for real. Like that's what my parents actually would say. And, you know, I had saved up enough to buy a CD. I, I wanted, uh, a, a CD with, explicit content on the cover you wanted the you wanted the little explicit lyrics yeah. thing so i walked in and there was a cd with this little kid on the cover and it had explicit lyrics and i was like okay this this looks like it has a lot of cuss words <laughs> right um and i picked it up i feel and, like i know what this is yeah and i bought it and it was uh the Elmatic. Yo, Black, it's time. Bird. Bird, it's time, it's time, man. All right, begin. Yeah. It didn't have as many cuss words as I expected, but the music, like, blew me away. That's a pretty solid first CD. That's, I just lucked out. But anyways, like, the CD collection I had, if you guys can think back to, like, early 90s, some of these album covers, like, the art was like very to the point <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you could just look at the cover and know that there's something wrong if you're against it right yeah so um yeah i came home one day and my parents they had you know smashed it they had put it into a pile in the middle of my room and and smashed it and it obviously devastated me yeah. because when you're like you know 12 13 that's like your life you know that's mm -hmm. like your identity that collection and it was almost as if they had smashed me you know so it broke my heart but you know that just made me want it even more 
all that said, his parents' methods got results. His older siblings did get into those Ivy League schools. His brother got into Brown. And a year later, his sister got accepted to Cornell. They were done with project number one and project number two, which were my brother and my sister. And I was supposed to carry out project number three. And that meant getting really serious about his studies, which at this point, Tableau was not. So they sent me to a boarding school and then left Canada. Parents did. (laughs) They went back to Korea. This was the kind of boarding school that pumped out Ivy League kids, which was great for the parents, but hell for Tableau. He didn't last long there. He started pulling pranks and getting into fights, and after a couple years, he was kicked out, even though the school didn't exactly word it that way. They don't kick you out, right, because they're, they're too uh, sophisticated for that, right? So they, they just don't invite you back. His parents brought him back to Korea when he was 15. And as pissed off as his parents were about him having to come back home, pretty quickly it started looking like this had been a good decision. He now had family around who could keep an eye on him. His cousin Sam even went to the same high school. And he started getting good grades. But more importantly for Tableau, he was also starting to find his own motivation. He'd started writing poetry. Not for school, but for himself. And then something wild happened. And it ended up giving Tableau a huge opportunity. A couple poems I had written had somehow traveled outside of the school and gotten into the hands of a musician in Korea who was huge at the time. Who was this? Uh, Kim Gammo. He was actually the number one top-selling album, like, artist. Obviously, I had no connection to celebrities or musicians, right? Mm -hmm. But someone that he works with contacted my mom through like found a mutual connect and apparently they had somehow read some of my poems and he wanted to make an english album with bobby mcfern bobby mcfern okay that's don't worry be happy bobby mcfern if the name isn't ringing a bell yet don't worry be happy they had agreed to do a like a collab album. Yeah. And needed uh, someone to write lyrics in English. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they wanted it from me, from, from a high school kid. Yeah. So um, I was like, what? It was just weird. But um, so he had me writing lyrics. I wrote lyrics for a ton of songs. Only one came out. I can be. Well, one came out during uh, winter break, and when I got back to school, I had somehow like sort of become a minor star in in the school, obviously, right? Because they were like, "What the heck?" Writing not only helped Tableau keep his sanity through high school, but it eventually ended up helping him get into college. Tableau ended up fulfilling what his parents asked of him, 
he got into Stanford, just like they'd prayed for. So he went. As it turned out, that same cousin Sam that Tabla went to high school with had been admitted to Stanford the year before. They weren't close, but Tablo's mom said he should go hang out with him. And he had been there a year now. Thought maybe, you know, it'd be awkward, but he can, like, talk to me, maybe give me some tips about, like, life there. Yeah. But honestly, I doubted it because I just thought that it was going to be awkward. But we did sit down. And the first thing he said to me was, how did you get into Stanford? Really? Yep. I was like, all right, Sam, let's just eat. That's not exactly how his cousin remembers it. But either way, it didn't really phase Tableau, especially because even his own friends were a little shocked he'd gotten into Stanford. But none of that mattered now, though. What mattered was that Tableau was finally out on his own. Now I could technically do whatever I wanted. Like I had the option of not doing well mm-hmm. if I chose to do so. And I had dorm mates that would swing by and they... Uh, because of, because of the music I was playing. What were you playing? Well, you know, just uh, like a lot of underground hip hop at the time. But like, who who were you playing? Uh, like hieroglyphics. Hiero, yes. Uh, Souls of Mischief. Yep. Like like Far Side. I was listening to a lot of underground hip hop. Yeah. I think my playlist maybe it drew people. But like I had football players in my dorm that would come hang out in my room because the music brought them. I don't know why I was in such a rush to get out of there. Like that's what that's why I graduated like a little earlier because like I I just piled on the credits. I think I tried to get out of there as fast as possible so I can be just done with that chapter of my life. Stanford has this program called a co-terminal degree, where you do graduate-level work during your undergraduate studies. If you can handle the course load, you graduate with a bachelor's and a master's at the same time. This requires a lot of extra courses, sometimes almost double of what's required of most full-time students. And Tableau was going even beyond what most co-terminal students do. That's how badly he wanted to be out of there. At first, his main goal was to get out of school ASAP. But he was also starting to think of where he would go after he finally made that escape. And he was getting the feeling that there might be some answers in this hip-hop group he'd started. It was small, but they were starting to make a name for themselves, and even getting small gigs here and there in the Bay Area. We had two guys in the group at first that did nothing but breakdance. Two rappers and two b-boys. It was just a taste. But for maybe the first time, Tableau had found something he wanted to take seriously. In 2002, after just three and a half years, Tableau's mom flew out to Stanford for his graduation. She sat in the pews of that same church they'd once prayed in at the San Juan campus. So they call you out and then say what you're going to do. Well, for example, like Frank, Frank is going to Google or something like that. They're like, okay, Daniel Sunung Lee, BA, MA in English Lit. He's going back to Korea to to do hip-hop music. And everyone's like cracking up. My parents, I don't think they ever really like accepted it. And even after I became very successful, they would say it a weird way. Like, 
during dinner or something with someone else, like with their friends, you know, oh yeah, like, you know, he's probably gonna go get a PhD later. So it's, it's like hard for them to let go, you know? Those credentials, which are impressive. I mean, graduating with a dual bachelor's and master's degree in less time it takes most people just to do their undergrad, they ended up being a part of Tableau's life forever. Even though he did something totally off the beaten path, he couldn't get away from that Stanford degree. It marked him for better and for worse. In Korea, when you when you think when you when you're saying that someone's like dope, mm-hmm. uh, like rappers or like singers or actors or whatever, when someone is really good at what they do, they take the first letter of that person's name and replace it with God. They started calling me God Blow because you would have to be a god to be able to do all that. God blow, like Tablo. As in, to have become famous and successful as a rapper and having a bachelor's and a master's from an elite school in the United States, he has to have been God to have accomplished that. That's how they, um, like, compliment you. It was a reflection of that surprising contradiction. The educated rapper. Tablo fulfilled the model of a well-educated Korean son, but he took an unadvised risk and beat the odds, becoming a successful musician. It became his hook. When he was on a TV show or did an interview, he'd get introduced as the genius rapper. Until those rumors started online in 2010. Then, Godblow became more of a backhanded compliment, or an ironic accusation. One that suggested that Tablo's story was too good to be true. But it was to, to basically mock me or to sort of shame me. It's often said that on the road to fame, people lose themselves, the person they were. More recently, people say that on the internet, for better or for worse, we either forget or we abandon who we really are. But what if it's other people telling you that you are not who you say you are? Would you define what Tajinyo means? Tajinyo means Tableau에게 진실을 요구한다. It's we demand the truth from Tableau. Mm-hmm. It's like an abbreviation. Yeah, Tajinyo. Tableau에게 진실을, which means truth, 요구한다. We demand it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, an ironic name, considering that's not what they wanted. They wanted everything but the truth. But in the span of a day, like a virus, it spread so fast. It was like a wildfire. It was insane how fast it spread. So I panicked. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is like real. Over the next seven episodes, we're going to look at how a wild, but honestly kind of trivial accusation starts on an anonymous internet forum, and then follow it as it explodes into a national obsession. Do you remember when you first heard about Tableau scandal? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, whoa, what's happening? What's happening with our mind? Not only bringing Tableau's life to a complete halt and his family's but also messing with the lives of innocent bystanders 
living on the other side of the planet. I'm just like, who is this weirdo? Look, I'm hanging up now. Please stop calling me, you know? And, and I was about to hang up the last time and I hear him yell, we'll pay you $10,000. <laughs> so I went, okay, let's, <laughs> let's hear some more. And we'll see the lines between harassment online and real life consequences get blurred. I also thought to myself, that might be getting too close to this weird conspiracy theory world. People were threatening me online. I tried to turn it off, but in the real world, it still happened, like it was connected. And a whole country divides itself, but never once looks away. People have a lot of built up resentment. And then when a situation like this happens, people were like, just like ravenous, like zombies, just trying to like, ugh, like suck the blood to try to feel like, like their life would be okay. Authentic is a production of Vice Audio and iHeart Podcast Network. Produced and reported by Stephanie Kariuki, Minji Koo, Kate Osborne, and myself. With Janet Lee, Stephanie Brown, and Sam Egan. Sound design and original music composition by Kyle Murdoch. With additional support from Natasha Jacobs. Our supervising producer is Janet Lee. Editing from Lacey Roberts. Fact-checking by Minji Koo and Nicole Pasulka. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. From iHeart Podcast Network, executive producers Nikki Etor and Lindsay Hoffman. This episode features epic high music from their albums Swan Songs, High Society, and Pieces Part 1, distributed by CJ Music. Music also from Kim Gunmo and Bobby McFerrin. Special thanks to Isne Bobo Noyet for Epic High's original concert footage. I'm Dexter Thomas. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you dig it, give us a rating and a review. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Vice News. <laughs>